you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Oh, did you not hear a rumor of late concerning a person whose fortune was great? Her portion was 17,000 good pound, but yet a good husband was not to be found. The reason for this, I will tell to you now. Her visage was just perfectly like a sow. And many to court her came flocking each day, but seeing her, straight they run frightened away. From the long-nosed lass, a bow had published in London in the late 1680s. This is episode 54, and this is the folkloric tale of the pig-headed women. Matchin once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. The earliest known version of the legend is the story of Jacqueline Jacobs, a woman from Amsterdam who in about 1601 was supposedly asked for money by a beggar woman, money meant for her three starving children. Jacobs uncharitably told the beggar, take away your filthy pigs, I will not give you anything. Whereupon the beggar replied, are these children my pigs? May the Lord God then give you pigs just as I have here. The baby with which Jacobs was pregnant at the time was later born with the head of a pig. A similar tale was that of a woman named Tannikin Skinker and was told in a 1640 pamphlet called A Certain Relation of the Hog-Faced Gentlewoman. She was supposedly born in 1618 to a Joachim Skinker, a man of good revenue but of great estate in money and cattle, who with his wife lived in the town of Workholm, along the Rhine River on the border between Holland and Germany. Skinker's wife soon became pregnant, and, so the pamphlet says, an old woman suspected for a witch came to beg her of an alms, but she being at the busied about necessary affairs gave her a short and neglectful answer, at which she went away muttering to herself the devil's paternoster, and was heard to say, as the mother is hoggish, so swinish shall the child she goeth withal. Fulfilling the curse, when the child was born, she was entirely human, except for having the face and head of a pig. When she got older, also, she could not speak, but only grunt like a pig. The witch was tried and burned at the stake, but refused to remove the curse, and so the parents, embarrassed by having a pig-headed child, kept her in the house. But though they tried to conceal her within the home, one day some other townspeople saw the parents feeding Tannikin. Milk and the like was brought unto her in a silver trough, to which she stooped and ate, just as a swine doth in his swilling tub. 
The parents then went to a local astrologer and mathematician by the name of Vandermast to ask some sort of solution to the problem. He told them to attempt to marry off Tannikin, for whilst she continued in the estate of a virgin, there was no hope of her recovery. However, under no circumstance were the parents to match her unto clown, boar, or peasant, but to a gentleman at least. Tannikin was outfitted in an expensive dress and veil, and it was said that anyone who would marry her would gain a 40,000 pound dowry for doing so. Suitors emerged from the woodwork seeking to marry the girl and claim the sizable dowry, but all were unsuitable and run away once they set eyes on the unveiled Tannikin. Some of the responses of the various suitors are all too similar to some of the more uncharitable comments made about women today. Eerily so, actually. Until researching this episode, I had no idea some of these comments were made as long, as, long ago as 1640. One thinks with himself, so the body be handsome, though her countenance be ever so coarse and ugly, all are alike in the night, and in the daytime, put her head but in a black bag, and what difference between her and another woman? Another comforteth himself thus, that if she cannot speak, she cannot chide, and therefore he shall be sure not to have a scold to a wife. After failing to marry their daughter off, the parents took her to London, settling in either Covent Garden or Blackfriars. At this point, her parents found a man willing to marry her, and not only willing, but one who actually went through with it. To this man, she appeared as a beautiful woman. But before he kissed her, she asked him to choose, Whether I shall appear to you thus as you now see me, young, fair, and lovely in your bed, and all the daytime, and abroad, of my former deformity, or thus beautiful in the day, to the sight of your friends, but in your arms every night of my former age and ugliness. The man could not decide, and told Tannikin that she could decide which of the two happened, whereupon the curse was lifted. The town of Workham, W-I-R-K-H-A-M, in the nor northeast part of the Netherlands, on the Rhine River anyway, does not exist. In my opinion, that sounds like more of an English name than a Dutch one anyway. There is a town called Workum, W-E-R-K-U-M, in the Netherlands, but on the other side of the country, on the shores of the North Sea. At any rate, though, this doesn't matter too much, as the story of Tannik and Skinker is very clearly a fairy tale anyway. A ballad called A Monstrous Shape, or A Shapeless Monster, was written about 1660. It retold the story, although it did not name the pig-headed woman Tannikin Skinker, and in place of the story of the witch's curse, it alludes to the pig's head being a result of what was essentially maternal impression, being because she came of a race that loved fat pork and bacon. A similar statement was made by Mary Tofts, who feigned that she gave birth to rabbits in 1726, and claimed that it was her eating of rabbit stew that led to that happening. While doing the research for my series on the affair of the poisons a few weeks back, I discovered another tale of a pig-headed woman in the memoirs of Madame de Montespan, one which, like that in a monstrous shape, was due to maternal impression, and had a more tragic end than is the usual. This one took place near Poitiers in western France. It was said that the Comte de Poitiers at the time was a great huntsman, and had successfully chased down and killed a huge boar, whose head 
he gave to his pregnant wife as a gift. That's, you know, clearly the number one thing I would want as a gift. But the story goes on. She was filled with repugnance and fright at the sight of the still-threatening head. It troubled her to the prejudice of her fruit. Eight or seven and a half months afterward, she brought into the world a girl who was human in her whole body, but above had the horrible head of a wild boar. Imagine what cries, what grief, what despair. The curé of the place refused baptism, and the count, broken down and desolate, ordered the child to be drowned. But instead of drowning it, a servant took the baby to the Benedictine monastery at Fontrevault, where the monks baptized it and named the girl Benedict. They brought up the singular creature in the greatest secrecy. It drank and lapped after the manner of its kind. As it grew up, it walked on its feet, and that without the least imperfection. It could sit down, go on its knees, and even make a courtesy. But it never articulated any distinct words, and it had always a harsh and rough voice which howled and grunted. Its intelligence never reached the knowledge of reading or writing, but it understood easily all that could be said to it, and the proof was that it replied by its actions. After the death of her husband, the Comtesse went to the monastery to see her child, but she did not take it back with her, but left it at the monastery. The prior of Fontrevault sought to marry the pig woman to his nephew. So, he sounded the young man, who looked fixedly at his future bride, and avowed that he was satisfied. She is a good Christian, he replied to his uncle, since you have baptized her here. She is of a good family, since Onorind has recognized her. There are many as ugly as she is to be seen, who still find husbands. I will put a pretty mask on her, and the mask will give me sufficient illusion. Benedict, so far as she goes, is well made. I hope to have fine children who will talk. It was said, though, that it was not a good marriage. She bit her husband from morning to night. She did not know how to sit at a table, and she would only eat out of a trough. She needed an, neither an armchair, a sofa, nor a couch. She stretched herself out on the sand or on the pavement. The husband asked for a divorce from his pig wife, and later shot her dead. Thomas Prescott Prest, an author of many so-called Penny Dreadfuls, including The String of Pearls, which introduced the story of Sweeney Todd, and thought to be the author of Varney the Vampire, wrote an account of a pig-faced woman. Prest claimed that the woman was 34 years old, and like Skinker, was a native of the Netherlands, Amsterdam in this case. She had long dark hair and would not go outside, since she would inevitably be followed by huge crowds of people who excessively annoyed her with her rude remarks. The pig woman in this case could still speak normally, though her laughter still took the guise of a pig's grunts. She also ate normally, rather than eating from a trough. Good evening, ma'am. Hey, y'all. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. Alrighty. How about a craft beer? Oh, yeah. We got plenty of craft beer. Which one you want? No, not craft beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well, what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. 
Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. Join Nick and Brittany and the janitor Stephen as we discuss southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. In his 1733 manuscript, A Short History of Human Prodigies, author James Paris Duplessis told a tale of another pigwoman. This one was not Dutch in origin, but English. Under the name A Woman with a Hog's Face, he described this woman. This monster was a gentlewoman, of a good family and fortune, very tall and well-proportioned, of a very fine fair white skin, black hair on her head and eyebrows, but her face perfectly shaped like that of a hog or sow, except that it was not hairy. When she went abroad, she covered her face with a large black velvet mask. She had a grunting voice like that of a hog, very disagreeable, but spoke very distinctly. She lived in St. Andrew's Parish in Holborn, London. Around 1750, it was said by an elderly woman whose letter was printed in Chambers' Edinburgh Journal, another London pig woman was a resident of Sloane Square in Knightsbridge. This woman was from a Scottish family before moving to London. Stories about another pig-headed woman named Grizzly Stevens circulated in Dublin from the 1700s into the 1800s. It was said that before her birth, her mother had seen a beggar woman carrying a number of children and said to her scornfully, Take away your litter of pigs. It was claimed she fed from a silver trough and had been born to an enormously wealthy family and built a huge hospital to take refuge in in her later years. Unlike the previous versions, however, this one was true. In part, anyway. Griselle, or Griselda Stevens, was a very real woman born in 1653. In 1710, her twin brother, a prominent physician named Dot. Dr. Richard Stevens, died, and she inherited a considerable amount of money, so much so that in 1717 she began to build a hospital. Griselda died in 1747. The hospital is still there, although it is no longer use in use, not as a hospital anyway. So, you might ask, where did the rumor that this woman was pig-headed come from? Well, when she was a young woman, she had some manner of eye ailment which caused her to wear a dark veil. She was often seen riding around, in, riding around town in a carriage with her face veiled. Although the condition eased as her age advanced, the rumors persisted, to the point that she would often sit on a balcony in plain view of everyone, just to show everyone that she did not, in fact, have a pig's head. Later, she had a portrait of herself painted and displayed in a prominent place in the lobby of the hospital. Again, to show everyone, she didn't have a pig's head, but a normal human head. A pub nearby had a silver trough on display that was said to be the one she fed from, and William Wilde, who was the father of Oscar, said that he saw another silver trough, possibly the same one, at the hospital itself in 1832. The story of Griselda as a pig-faced woman was told and retold until at least the 1860s, and... According to T.G. Wilson, who wrote a biography of William Wilde, 
into even the 1940s. In the early 19th century, stories were again going around London that a pig woman had taken up residence in Manchester Square and Marleybone. This one was about 20 as of 1814. She was supposedly Irish and of the habit of driving around the city in a carriage. It is possible that this was a variant of the story of Griselda Stevens, merely transposed to London. Like most of the other pig women, it was said that, on her life and issue by marriage, a very large property depends. She could not speak, but only grunted, and ate from a silver trough, all of which were features of many of the pig-faced women legends. One young woman had run an advertisement in the Times announcing her intention to apply to be the pig woman's maid, and addressed the woman as her sowship. A man also ran an ad in the Times seeking the pig woman's hand in marriage and accompanied it with a one-pound note. Others were run in various other London newspapers. In May, it was noted that the Earl of Yarmouth went to a masquerade ball in Great Cumberland Street dressed as a pig-faced woman. It was elsewhere noted that similar rumors were rampant in the city in 1764. People at that time offered to make the, woman, the pig woman a feeding trough of silver or ivory. It was claimed in some newspapers that the pig woman was the child of Joanna Southcott. Joanna Southcott was a supposed prophetess, all of whose prophecies failed to come true, and who claimed to be carrying a new messiah at one point. In 1815, a carriage was seen driving through Piccadilly, slowly, and from it, the edge of a bonnet from which protruded a long pig snout projected. It was said that this carriage dropped its passengers at a house in Grosvenor Square. This is backed up in part by the tale of Sir William Elliot, who claimed to have seen an elegantly dressed pig woman while visiting a young woman there. He claimed to have been bitten on the back of the neck by the woman. In the 1820s and 1830s, pig-faced women were exhibited at several London fairs, including the St. Bartholomew Fair and the Hyde Park Fair, as well as at Wakefield in Yorkshire. It was also rumored that certain fairs in Ireland did this as well. In most of these cases, however, the pig woman was actually a black bear with its snout, neck, and front paws shaved and dressed in woman's clothing. Gloves were put on its shaven front paws, and on its head was put a blonde wig and a fashionable hat. That sounds pretty convincing to me. I don't know about you. There are several folk tales which give a sort of prototype of the treatment of a beggar woman, though they do not necessarily involve the birth of a pig-headed daughter. The tale of the Dutch noblewoman Margaret of Henneburg is one, one such. Though first mentioned in the ecclesiastical history Tabula Egmondana, this mentioned only that Countess Margaret of Henneburg gave birth to 365 sons and daughters and died quietly. It fell on later chronicles to expound on the story. In these versions, the Countess had taunted taunt it a beggar woman with two children, saying that the two had different fathers and scolding her as being an immoral woman. As written in John Stowe's 1631 Annals, or A General Chronicle of England, Go get thou hence, thou harlot. Thou shalt never make me believe but those thy brats had four fathers, thou insatiate strumpet. The beggar woman called on God and laid a curse on the countess, saying that she would have as many children as there are days in the year. Around Easter, 
Margaret gave birth to 365 completely formed children, the size of mice. The children were all baptized, with all the boys being called Jan, and all the girls Elizabeth. Margaret, as well as all her children, died soon after. There are several similar stories from about the same time associated with different noble families. Ermintrude, the pregnant Countess of Altdorf, similarly confronted a beggar woman about the parentage of her three children. Months later then, the Countess herself gave birth to twelve sons. She ordered the midwife to drown eleven of them, and the midwife, confronted by the Count, said she was drowning some puppies. But the Count asked to have the puppies, and this of course led him to discover that they were actually infants. He forgave his wife's unwise choices in talking to the beggar woman, and said that henceforth the children would be called Guelphs, after the German Welf or puppy. This was the origin of the Guelph noble house. In 1276, the story goes, a noblewoman in France made a similar er error as Margaret of Henneberg, and was cursed by the beggar woman to give birth to as many children as a sow. The woman gave birth to 13 children, and similarly to how the Countess of Altdorf's children became the Guelphs, these were called the Tres Nace, or the Thirteen Noses. This in time became the noble family, the Tres Nays. The tale of the poor Solettes is perhaps the most relevant, in my opinion. In this, the wife of the Lord of Arlais cursed a beggar woman, as is the norm, and in this case was told, You are as wicked as a sow, and like that unclean animal, you will disgust all those present at your child bed. The woman then gave birth to nine piglets when her time came. Although the legends and fables of the pig women have fallen by the wayside, pig-headed women, though these are in the main a completely different story than the earlier ones, are, are still a feature of urban legends. The pig women in today's urban legends are usually homicidal phantoms, in the style of Bunny Man and others. One is told of in Hillsborough Township, New Jersey where a man and his wife living on a secluded pig farm gave birth to a hog-faced baby, which was teased mercilessly as it grew older and eventually became a murderer. It is said that she sometimes attacks cars with an axe when visitors yell out, Pig lady! Pig lady! Pig lady! Sometimes she will scratch up your car, and sometimes you'll be the one scratched up. Sometimes the pig woman's appearance is the result of a house fire rather than being malformed at birth. In this case, the origin is likely Jane Gibson, the so-called pig lady, who was the primary witness in the 1922 murder case of Edward Wheeler Hall and Eleanor Mills, otherwise called the Hall's Mills murders, in nearby Somerset. Gibson was perfectly normal, obviously, and her nickname was due to the fact that she lived on a pig farm. The ritual that summons pig lady to your car, oddly, is similar to how several of the pig women in older tales were summoned to their dinner. Pig. 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 Another story of a pig lady comes from the vicinity of Elkton, Maryland. The Elkton pig lady, like some variants of the New Jersey story, was victim of a house fire. She fled into the woods and lives under a bridge in the neighborhood. In some of the versions of the tale, she's one of the inbred creatures associated with the legend of Cossert Road in Pennsylvania. The activities this pig lady takes part in when she appears line up with those of the New Jersey variant. Sometimes she'll run up and over your car, leaving hoof prints all over it. The stories of the pig lady also exist in nearby Rising Sun, where she is reputed to haunt the town dump, 
which somehow doubles as a lover's lane. I mean, the town thump is certainly the most romantic place I can think of. And that's the end of this episode. As always, a list of sources consulted for this episode can be found in the show description, and photos associated with this week's story will be on my Instagram at Forgotten Darkness. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post it to the Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to our email at ForgottenDarkness77 at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, and you can DM me ideas there. I also now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash forgdark. That's F-O-R-G-D-A-R-K. And so, until next time, this is Andrew, signing off. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.